Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. And we are Team Big. Yeehaw! I'm sorry, are you going to do that because we're doing a vaguely cowboyish show? Is that what we're going to have to work with? <laughs> You're dang right. You've gotten... You're darn tootin'. <laughs> You've gotten over your detective uh, stuff, and now you're going to be Cowboy Tom? Correct. I'm going to have a character for each uh, series we do. All right. Well, for those of you joining us, I hope it's not for the first time. If it is, I apologize. We are Team Binge, and we are here to talk about a little show called Outer Range, which is on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know our MO is to do things on Apple TV Plus, whatever the heck their uh, thing is called. Um, but yeah, we but... decided to uh, branch out because Apple wouldn't give us any money and <laughs> Tom doesn't like Apple products. So uh, we're trying a show called Outer Range featuring who, Tom? Who is the main guy who I've grown? I actually realized I've seen him in a bunch of things recently and I actually really like mm-hmm. this guy. Oh, yeah. Josh Brolin. He is the absolute man. Uh, done all sorts of stuff. Uh, most Recently known as the Thanos, No Country for Old Men, um, cavalcade of awesome stuff, and fits so well in like a Western type show. I watched him recently in Sicario. He's great in Sicario. Ooh, yeah. And then I also watched him in one of the best movies ever made, Hollow Man, <laughs> 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 with right. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Oh, man, that movie's <laughs> off the rails. But, yeah, so we're giving Outer Range a, a try. If you haven't watched it, go watch episode one and then join us on this hunt. Uh, why we decided to do it, we both watched the first episode. It's got some, like, cool elements. I think it's well done. Like, And we like trying to solve mysteries. Tom solved After Party for <laughs> us. So this one I'm going to solve, this, like, Stephen Kingish type show. Well, listen, man, you've always wanted to become a cowboy. You just recently moved into a property that's got some acreage, so I feel like you're just preparing for cowboyhood. Listen. Uh, it's got the sci-fi elements that keep me entertained. We're going to have some conversations about what would happen if a giant hole appeared on my property, and uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got some thoughts. Uh, the other people in this show, other than Josh Brolin, are Imogen Poots. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> it feels wrong. Amazing but. name. Amazing um, name. Did you? She. You might know for, her from. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I think you might know her from Twenty Eight Weeks Later, and then you know that ama- amazing classic with Aaron Paul, Need for Speed, based off the video game. I played the video game. Role in that. I've never seen the movie. <laughs> Twenty Eight Weeks Later. She's a child, though, right? Isn't that was a long time ago? I don't know. I don't isn't know. Like what Rose was her Byrne? Role. Rose Byrne is the doctor in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, and Twenty Eight Weeks Later is Jeremy Renner, right? Oh, man, Couldn't you brought you. up the movie, so. and have you ever seen there's, it? Well, yeah, there's 28 Days Later, and 28 Weeks Later is the sequel, so I don't know who's in what. I think Peaky Blinders, like, the stories. Peaky Blinders guy is 28 Days Later. 28 Weeks Later Cillian is Murphy. Jeremy Renner, um, Rose Byrne, and then I think Imogen Poots must be one of the kids, because based on her age in this and how long that movie has been out, Anyways, we should have done our research, but welcome no, back, there's, Team there's no Binge. I know we took some time <laughs> off, but here we are. You're welcome. Um, the mother, so Josh Brolin's the dad. He's um, Royal Abbott. All these guys have like mm-hmm. our names, which is just great. There's Rebecca, there's Royal, <laughs> there's Rhett. Uh, thank you, show, for making this confusing. Uh, Lily Taylor plays his wife, who is Cecilia. We catch a mm-hmm. glimpse of him. He's not real 
prevalent in this first episode, but Will Patton, um, did you recognize him? He's the sick, uh, I guess, patriarch uh, t- of the Tillerson family. Yeah, the other old guy. Um, I know him probably best from, remember, the Titans, uh, kind of played the assistant coach. The non-racist the coach. Classic, <laughs> well, uh, and then uh, Armageddon. <laughs> Yes, Armageddon, Classic that's Armageddon. right. The, he's like the right-hand man in Armageddon, right? Mm-hmm. This was directed by Alonzo Ruiz Palacio. Did I do it? Did I get it? Uh, Palacios? Oh, I think whatever. It's, uh, Ruiz, Ruiz Palacios. Uh, but uh, very good. Nothing the guy had done before I looked up his IMDb was anything that I recognized. And then it was written by mm-hmm. um, a guy who is a Juilliard playwriting fellow his i went on his Hmm. like page he's a very serious picture and he's a playwright in this day and age which lets you know he's a very serious fella i didn't write his name again i didn't so i don't know (laughs) that's all you need just juilliard playwriting fellow uh well maybe that's his name his name is fellow brian nice nice Did you look this up? Is this an original? Is this based off of a book? No, I think this is an original. This this playwright okay. wrote this. I can't believe awesome. I don't have his name written down. That's so <laughs> embarrassing. Hey, you riff a little bit while I uh, come up with his well, come up with his name. Uh, but yeah, I do. One of the things I do like about this show is we kind of start. Brian Watkins it, is Ryan Watkins. Brian nice. Brian Watkins. Um, Brian. See, I had it right. Brian Fellows. Brian Fellows Watkins. There you go. We got there. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I like about the show is it is so gorgeous. Like, this is filmed in Wyoming, correct? Is that where the farm so. is or ranch? Yeah. Um, just gorgeous vistas. And I, I love, like, the sci-fi elements that it kind of brings in, but it doesn't do it to a point that is distracting. I think it's very much a kind of family drama first and foremost they spend a lot of time in this first episode developing all the characters and they don't rush it they do a really good job of establishing it they use a couple little cool kind of shortcuts to help establish the characters as well which i'm sure we'll kind of talk about a little bit but i couldn't recommend the pilot enough i think this was a really good hour-long show that definitely hooked both of us in and we really wanted to watch the second episode but for the sake of the pod we held back and we'll do it episodically yeah this is one of the and shows- i think let's say one other thing i do think that at, by the time we're recording this as we generally do we record late or currently out there so if you want to join in the mystery and everything with us please reach out to us at team binge podcast at gmail.com or at team binge on your various social medias and play along with us but Please keep the spoilers down to a minimum since we are watching uh, episodically. Yeah, but we're going to make some guesses. The one thing I was wanted to say is, is this is one of those shows where like they start so strong and you're just like, God, I hope they land it. Like I hope, <laughs> please. <laughs> I hope by episode eight, I believe there's eight episodes. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's kind of like it has the same vibe of of dark, like the the TV show Dark, mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. like the pulsing music and just like the the way it's shot so beautifully, like it gives me that same vibe and the music like constantly makes you like stress out a little bit. Cause it's just <laughs> that like pulsing, pulsing. I don't know how to describe it. Sound. I don't know how they make it. Keep or doing it. Just weird, keep pulsing. That quick, like violin. Yeah. That's not how a violin <laughs> sounds. Um, and so that's what got me. Um, and then anytime a show starts with some sort of mythology about some God that's passed mm. down through time in Josh Brolin's voice, 
I'm just in on. Um, but the overall synopsis, from what I can understand, is it's two families mm -hmm. that are the main core of this. The Abbott family, which is Josh Boland's family. The Tillerson family, which is like the well-to-do ranch next door. Uh, that's, I guess, the patriarch is Will Patton. I should say that the Abbott ranch is coming from Cecilia Lily Taylor's character. It's been in her family mm -hmm. for like 100 years, I think he says. But... The synopsis I read online, which summed it up very quickly, is Wyoming rancher Royal Abbott discovers an unfathomable mystery at the edge of his property, setting into motion a catastrophic chain of events. And then my summary was, this is a show about missing cows, because the whole first episode, they're like, where are the cows? Oh, have you checked the, have you checked the west pasture? Yeah, I've checked there. Is it the southern pasture? Yeah. So... I uh, think we found out where the cows went by the end of it, but, you know, who knows? I love the we'll vibe see. of the show, we'll like you said. Opens up with a thunderstorm. We get the cool voiceover of a god named Kronos used a sickle <laughs> to cut a hole, a tear in the cosmos between heaven and earth to separate the known from the unknown, this life <laughs> and the next. And then I looked up Kronos on the Wikipedia. He's got like three lines. I was like, oh, this this was not a major uh, character in... <laughs> but when they said the sickle, did you think death? I was like, oh, this is like the Grim Reaper, sickle, death. But this has to do with time, which I think you and I both love shows that have a time element. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like... You yeah, like they kind of play around with... Mm -hmm. Dark was a lot of fun where they kind of literally went really forward in time like you know 30 40 years i think like forward backward and it kind of played with that really difficult show to kind of follow this i don't think is going to play on that as much but i i do like how they integrated the idea of chronos and at the very end we get a little soliloquy more about kind of actually this this episode has the the, the header of this speech and then the kind of the footer the end of the episode finishes with right. almost the exact same speech given from each of the characters but done by who uh, but i uh, but done by the hippie chick. Her <laughs> name is name? Autumn, played by Imogen Autumn. Poots. Autumn. What did I um, say? Autumn, you're good. That's okay. right. Wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, I like the idea of it saying like Kronos and the fact that when he kind of messes with the hole, it, I do think it's going to be timey-wimey when he just kind of puts his arm in. And, and we'll kind of get to it a little bit, but... Um, I, Did the, you the just say timey-wimey after the sentence yes. of when he puts his hand in the hole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're everybody knows family, the hole. We're a family <laughs> podcast, Tom. Please be careful. Yeah, he was shirtless when he did it. Oh, no, that was, that was later. Yeah, yeah um, it's wonderful. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like that element of bringing in, like, the, the mythos of Kronos and Kronos chronology actually dealing with time, I think, is, is kind of unique. Okay, well, let's talk about the time element when we get to that, when we get to that moment, but... Just Please. we'll run through. I don't through. have time for it right now. <laughs> right, sure. For those of you that have not <laughs> sat through a show with us, what we're going to do is just run through a summary, talk about um, different parts, and we're going to unravel this mystery. Tom, what was the show we watched that was based on the Stephen King novel um, with um, the evil spirit that, like, essentially possessed people? Do you remember that one? El Cuco. Do you remember what that was called? Like, The Other Ooh. or... Do you, do you get the same vibe the out outsider? of that? Was it The Outsider? That might be right. Yeah. Maybe. Do you get some of the same vibe in, in, in terms of like, I don't know, like if Stephen King had written this one, I wouldn't have been surprised. Does that does that make sense? Do you get the same vibe or no? Yeah, maybe. I feel like Stephen King is You got a yes more... and me, dude. 
Please, yes. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it is to a point. Like, I think Stephen King is not necessarily as sci-fi-ish as the show seems to be, the way it kind of okay. plays around with time. I don't think Stephen King does that. I think it's more kind of like ghouls and ghosts and that kind of deal. But I, I think the way it's shot and some of the elements are definitely aligned. Got it. Okay. Well, let's open it up. But I don't think, if we're going to talk about that show, I, that's a show that I don't necessarily think landed quite as well as the, the show was. I thought it was a fun sh- journey, but it did not stick to landing. Thank you. You and I are in agreement there. That's that's actually what I thought of when we started this show. That show started mm-hmm. so strong and like so interesting. Um, I mean, they killed Jason Bateman. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but like... <laughs> The uh, the way yeah the way that show didn't land is the way I'm worried this show won't. But mm-hmm. I, I have faith. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be Lasso. I'm gonna be Ted Lasso. And uh, only time will tell. Only time will tell. And listen, listen. If the show stinks, we'll just jump into a hole, and then maybe we'll go back in time. Oh oh sh- no no theories yet. We haven't got there. We'll have Sorry. our we'll have our Sorry. we'll have our uh, whole theories <laughs> later. All right, so. Very quickly, stories established. You know, we, we've got this family. Uh, they apparently, so it's Royal Cecilia. They have a daughter that's missing. And it took me a second to figure all this out. But their daughter-in-law mm-hmm. is Rebecca. She was married or is married. We don't know where she's at or where she fell into. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she's married to Perry. And they have a daughter who's named Amy. And we find mm-hmm. out that Rebecca has been missing for about nine months based on what we find out from the sheriff that shows up later. We have Royal riding the ranch. Looks great, like you said. Everything looks beautiful. This show might have inspired me to move out of the city. I don't know. <laughs> we get this weird, like, rumbling noise, which, once again, this was very, like, dark to me. The show dark. not. Mm-hmm. Oh, although I will say this. I looked up a review of the show, and this person gave it one star, and they were like, this show is so dark. I tried to watch it. I couldn't see anything. Uh, if this is what <laughs> these writers think is suspense, they should go back to film school. And I was like, that's a dumb review, dude. This show's good. And then I tried to, I went to rewatch this during the day um, to take notes, and I could not see anything on the TV because it was so light in the room. And I was like, Oh, dude, that guy's got a point. This show is shot really dark. And so you can only watch the show at night because otherwise you can't see anything. Well, at least I have a crappy TV. So um, anyways, I thought that was uh, a great moment for me discovering how uh, dark the show was. He then comes back to the house and they're like, oh, it's church time. And his watch has been affected. So like Mm -hmm. he like what we're already into the time element of this, like. Did mm-hmm. his watch stop working? Did he lose time? Is this like surfing so you, where you get lost and he's just he's just riding that ranch and time means nothing because mm-hmm. he's having so much joy, just like riding a barrel on the big ocean. <laughs> you mentioned his watch. Does he like look at his watch? Does it stop? Is it on the wrong time? I know he looks at the watch in the house, but... Well, they make a comment to him, Dad, time to get a cell phone because he looks at his watch. His watch was wrong. Because he thought he still okay, had several hours wrong. before church, but the clock on the wall was right. So I, it's either like his, he's either he got a bad watch and maybe that's going to come <laughs> down to something. I don't know. Or um, that weird rumbling noise that causes buffaloes to appear um, stopped his watch. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because on a rewatch, because I watched this episode twice, this made me just start getting time elements. Like, is this the 
current version of Royal? Is this like a two hour time delay version of Royal? Um, I don't really know how that timey wimey kind of stuff works. He seems like he's still a single presence, a single person. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of this. But again, I love the mystery right off the bat. Tom, if you're trying to make the term timey-wimey a thing... I'm did not, I say it again? You did. I'm not going with it. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know right now. It's not streets ahead. I'm not going with it. Um, okay. I love the church. I love the church scene. There's something about this that like, I just love. Like, People are singing. They're in the pews. And then the camera pans back and he's reading the paper. Like He's like, listen, yeah. I'm going to show up but I'm not going to participate. Like he's actively, he's like, I will support my wife, but I'm going to actively support <laughs> or actively protest what's going on in this building. I thought that was great. We then get the granddaughter uh, with her Sunday school picture. Um, and this is a great writing device. Like, Hey, this explains mm-hmm. who everyone is. And like uh, <laughs> that they're all going to make it to heaven at some point, but like, Hey, there's mommy. She's not around. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just like this. And the kid was, kid was cute did you get a sense like i always find this funny when you look at the picture and it's clearly not a picture drawn by a kid like it's an adult trying to draw a picture like a kid oh no i didn't look that hard it's still really well drawn but it's just drawn poorly to a point (laughs) it's just kind of goofy um but did you get anything any sort of mystery with all the random people in the background she kind of mentions it like hey here's all the five or six people in the family and then ah, just a bunch of people like why would there be just a bunch of random people at the ranch well i thought she was drawing i thought the the homework in sunday school was draw what heaven is like and she drew everyone and so i'm assuming she oh, thinks okay. other people are going to make it she's probably wrong but i think she's assuming <laughs> other people are going to make it into heaven other than her family now we we meet the like earlier before church we meet the two sons we meet Perry and we meet Rhett. Did you know either mm-hmm. of those actors or did you like have any connection to them at all? I didn't know Rhett. I recognized uh, Perry. I think his name was Tom Pelfrey. Uh, he okay. was most recently in Ozarks. So in season two or three of Ozarks, he had a, a character arc. Uh, and it's funny because he has a very similar character arc even in a single episode of this. A similar kind of vibe in ozark so i think he's kind of typecasted but he was very very good in that and i don't doubt he'll be fantastic in this as well so in ozarks he kills his wife and is raising his daughter on his own (laughs) uh i cannot speak to what happens in ozarks i will not spoil that for anybody but uh he is definitely a, a troubled man in ozarks el cuco is a weird demon that possesses people go watch the outsider also dark has to do with time travel and it's in german language so you have to watch it with subtitle spoilers or or you learn german or you learn german that's fair (laughs) then we find ourselves my favorite line at the rodeo (laughs) rhett is a cowboy uh, you know Rhett's a cowboy because several times he's shirtless in this episode and he has a tattoo of a guy riding, uh, I think, a bull or a horse. It's and a bull. I'm, like, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, that's really on the nose. Like, you couldn't have... <laughs> like, people are going to know you're a cowboy just by the way you dress, but whatever. Uh, it hurt my back watching uh, him ride that. I was like, oh, my my spine would be compressed in 12 different places. But I did like that, like... They're a supportive family. Like, he apparently, mm-hmm. I don't know how you rate riding bulls. I thought it was just a time thing, and he seemed to get off the bull at the right time, but I don't know. 
but they're like, hey, that's the bull's fault, man. That bull didn't let you ride him right. And I was like, I think the whole point of the bull is to try and like buck them off, right? I didn't. Anyways, I think there's just some bulls that are more aggressive than others based on, I don't know, bull stuff, bull Durham. I don't know. Maybe that's what that movie was about. Yeah, bull um, Durham was about that. That's correct. <laughs> the bull riding but movie, I think bull the, Durham. The general idea is bull riding does have judges. So I think you're supposed to stay on the bull for eight seconds, which he does not do. He gets he gets bucked off before that. But I think judges also say, like, how stable you were on the, the bull. And there's there's more to it than, I think, just the eight seconds. All right. For those of you that know how to ride bulls and how it's rated, you can <laughs> write us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Um... But I agree with you. So, like, this was a really good scene in terms of establishing the family dynamic, how everybody was there to support. Like, even uh, the daughter was there, you know, kind of re- regurgitating the line that uh, Royal says, which yeah. is pretty funny. She's like, uh, oh, that so bull was really, BS. Really good writing. And they, like, look at her. <laughs> and you got to wonder whether or not she's going to make it to heaven with language like that. <laughs> that potty of, mouth. That potty mouth. <laughs> Rhett makes eyes at a lovely lady. I think we find out later that her name is Maria. Um, mm-hmm. And this takes us to Cecilia and Royal talking about Amy. I think this is where she brings up that she had a dream, or maybe that was in the beginning of the show where we're establishing that she's gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's talking to Amy, the daughter, before she goes to bed. And she's like, hey, tell me how you met Grandpa. She's like, mm-hmm. we learned that Royal like was an orphan, wandered onto the ranch. And she's like, I feel like I was waiting for him my whole life. And... There's a lot to unpack there. Like, I feel like they're giving us stuff in that scene where it's like, all right, so Royal killed his parents when he was younger or (laughs) Royal appeared through the hole in the world and like just became like, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. But there's something there that like if you're paying attention to the details, which I didn't do during the after party and I will during this movie (laughs) and I will out out sleuth you, my friend. Um, but I did feel like they were trying to lay some stuff during that scene. Anytime an adult explains something to a child in a TV show, they're typically trying to dump some Easter eggs into your basket. It's just, it's just classic fun mystery show stuff to do. Like give this guy's backstory, just complete like autonomy to do whatever you could potentially want to do with it and just make you theorize like crazy. So I've really enjoyed that. So I'm losing sleep over this. It doesn't feel like you're losing sleep over it. You accept it. You're like, hey, they might be giving us something here, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dive into it. I'm making the mental note. I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket, and we'll we'll look at it later. All right, Sherlock, Tom. There's some late night rumbling. Which anytime there's late night rumbling on a Wyoming ranch, you gotta be scared. We cut to the Tillerson fancy house. So this is. Uh, the actor Will Patterson, who plays Wayne Tillerson, mm-hmm. he seems to be dying. Uh, he seems to be dying a slow, painful death in a wheelchair and with I mean, the he's machine just, set up, right? Is he's he just on, on an like oxygen a, tank, right? Uh, is that all it is? Okay. I think it was just an oxygen tank, and he was... I don't think he was sitting in a wheelchair. I think he was just sitting in a chair looking out the pasture and everything. And his mistake, he stood up man. and walked over to his... Buffalo. <laughs> if he's using his legs like a sucker, as Homer Simpson says, he should have a wheelchair. Uh, that's the only way to live. Um, he talks to that buffalo mount. What's he doing with the buffalo mount, Tom? And is this buffalo, does this buffalo appear later? That's what I want to know. Oh, I was going to bring it up later, but something tells me this is the same buffalo. Like, he's talking to the buffalo. The buffalo has been, has, Bench, he was, 
shot earlier because he had the two arrows in him and he runs across the different folks of the uh, Abbott family. But afterwards, late sitting on this guy's wall is my my take. Yeah. I don't know what's happening but there. But there's also, there's also a weird rock on the table. Did you notice that? Like, I feel like he touched it a couple times. The camera kind of panned in on it. Like, it kind of also gave me some, like, I don't know, spacey, weird vibes. Like, is this like a meteorite to comet, something else that maybe created the hole? I don't know. There was some other weird element to that. I didn't notice a weird Could be nothing. rock anywhere. You're, okay, so you think mm. there's like a media, there was like a meteor on a coffee table. Yeah, like it's, it seemed like a geode almost. Like maybe it was like kind of cut and you could see into it a little bit, but they just kind of focused on it. And I feel like he touched it multiple times that there might be something to it. He touched it multiple times in the scene? He did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But he didn't make it like the head of a cane that he walked around with because <laughs> that yet. that is, uh, you got to pay attention to those. Certainly if it's amber with a mosquito <laughs> in it, you got to pay attention Correct. to that kind of stuff. He calls Cecilia, Abbott's wife, which I didn't know why. And he's like, something is happening. Something is coming. And her assumption is, mm-hmm. oh, the neighbor's drunk. Which, yes, not necessarily a bad conclusion to jump jump to, but <laughs> I would have maybe asked him a couple more questions, like, "Hey, what's coming? <laughs> what's happening?" Instead of just being like, "Oh, silly Wayne, he's dying and drunk over there." I don't know. Well, he's the one that hangs up on her. He just kind of says those very ominous lines and hangs up. Oh, but the assumption okay, is forgive he me. Knows Call something. him back. That would be my advice. <laughs> Call him back because okay. that's what a normal person would do. Like. Hey, if I called you and I was like, something's happening, something is coming, <laughs> click, you know what you do? You'd be like, you'd text me or you'd call me and you'd be like, hey man, everything okay? Like, but maybe they're not close. <laughs> I guess we established later that they're, that they're not mm-hmm. necessarily close families. But then we're back on the ranch and this is where the mystery begins, Tom. What are we missing? The real mystery. Two cows, two cattle. We're missing two cows. What do you think happened to these two cows, Tom? First first impression, coming in cold, what happens to the two cows? I mean, you got to assume the cows fell through the hole, but uh, I don't know. I, I want to look at that south fence a little bit more for myself. Is it the... <laughs> My favorite part is where he yells at his son. He's like, did you check the... And the son just like looks at him. He's like... God, yeah, don't. Why do you think I'm an idiot? I already checked it. And then he like, walks in. He walks into the house, and then Cecilia says the same thing. Is it the cell phones? No, it's not the not cell phones. Yeah, great. that's so good. So they're out in the yard. I think this is where they wake up. Rhett. We find out Rhett likes to sleep in his truck. Just likes to. He loves his truck. Well, he seems know? to be. He's like a. He's like a playboy. I guess they kind of keep mentioning like who's he gonna wake up with? Who's he gonna be with? Yeah, uh, when uh, Autumn starts walking up towards the ranch. Yeah, I think says, this like, is, is this, this is where we're establishing mm-hmm. Rhett as the hero of the story. You know, he, <laughs> he drinks a lot. He's uh, a, a womanizer. He rides bulls. He's got that sweet tattoo. I mean, this is clearly he's got no kids. He's got no kids. No responsibility. He's living the life that everyone wants to live. Just fulfilled. Probably feels real good about himself. Um, anyways, this is when Miss Poots arrives. Um, and I think, I don't know if I wrote it down that she's a hippie or they referred to as a hippie, but the vibe is that she's a bit hippie-ish. Her character name is they say Autumn. She's from, they say she's from Boulder. So I mean, guess you're a poet from Boulder. You got to be a little bit of hippie, right? Sure, sure. My favorite line from Royal is, 
uh, we're not in the market for poems, which <laughs> was just a great line delivered by Josh Brolin. <laughs> and I thought, has anyone ever been in the market for poems? Tom, have you ever been like, hey, we got to go Home Depot. Oh, let's hit the market for some poems. No one's ever been in the market for poems other than the lovers. I mean, I can say back when I was like a young youth, back in maybe the middle school time frame, I would plagiarize poets to write love letters to girls I liked in school. <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, folks, this is only supposed to be a 45-minute podcast. It's about to become about three hours. Tom, let's unpack this. What? You didn't, what? Go, through, you didn't, go, no. you didn't go through a poetry phase? No. The only poetry I had was like from Lord of the Rings or like C.S. Lewis books. None of that stuff was about love. So go on, Tom. What, what poets were you quoting? You were an Oscar Wilde Listen, man? Oh. No idea. Just Googled like poetry or Googled, you know, generic lines. And I would take different lines from different poems and try to put them together and pawn them off as my own. You took like the road less traveled poem and you were like, hey, I'm the road less traveled. Your nickname, <laughs> maybe, road less traveled. Maybe steal some like lyrics from like boy band love songs. Put those in there too. Oh, that's not surprising thing. considering your love of boy bands. But that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to make a mental note of this and we're going to dive into it a little bit harder at later dates because I'm fascinated by your love poetry face in middle school. <laughs> oh, Tom. I love it. I love it I'm so not much. alone. I know. I know Barrett's with me. Oh, Barrett. Barrett, we've missed you. Um, all right. So we find out she's a poet from Boulder. Um, I thought this was a little weird. She's like, hey, I just want to camp here. And he gives in. Like, I feel like this was a plot device that feels a little bit forced because Royal doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to be like, hey, yeah, stranger, go live on our land. I don't know. Maybe. Well, she makes the point of saying, like, you can need the money. She brings out a good stack. And clearly, like, we've established that does they kind of do. Does he take the money, though? And I think he does. Yeah. Pretty sure he does. Okay. And she that only pulled wrong. out like one bill. Just, just, I just want to point out. No, that was a okay. stack. All right, all right, all right, all right. So she's a drug dealer. Had to be at least like six million. I don't know. I don't know how money works. There's um, a, did you feel like this scene was like, like pertinent? Like, did you feel like, cause there were a couple of details in here that I caught. Like she says, Hey, there's a guy in town that says you're a, um, a conservationist. Um, cause, mm-hmm. he, cause he asked like, how'd you know about us? And she mentions a guy. And then when she like shakes his hand, she goes, glad to finally meet you. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's a little bit weird. So this is the, this is the deal with like time travel or time shows. Like you don't know mm-hmm. what you're being set up for. And so you're like, okay, have these people, like how, how has she heard of him? Because it was more than like, oh, this guy in town told me about you. It was like a very deliberate, glad to finally meet you type of thing. Does that make sense? Or yeah, did you get the same yeah. bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is definitely establishing just a lot of mystery. And she is definitely one of the biggest enigmas of this first episode. Because she seems to know a lot more than she's letting on. Like, she asked him later about, like, do you want to share a secret? And that's after he found the hole. Um, glad to finally meet you is goofy. We, we haven't really established who Royal is to this town or, you know, this area that he lives. We've only really met his family. And he might just be a known rancher, but he doesn't seem like any sort of like local celebrity. Just because you're a you know conservationist, I don't think is going to make you incredibly popular. So there's a lot, a lot to unpack with her that I don't think we've got the answers to yet. Yeah, I wonder if the conservationist thing comes out of the fact that, and the sons talk about it later, 
about how the dad or Royal is like old school. And so like, rather than mm-hmm. like drilling on the land or like, like mineral like right stuff or doing any of that, he seems to be like, they're using horses, they're running mm-hmm. cattle. They're like keeping it in a natural way and they're not willing to sell the ranch. I wonder if that's where she's getting the conservationist thing. But I thought the glad to finally meet you thing was, was super important. Uh, the most important mm-hmm. part of this is I think this is then where Royal, Perry, and Rhett ride out to try and find these two cows. Um, and a Coulter Waller song kicks on. And the song is called The <laughs> Devil Wears a Suit and Tie. And this guy's got such a great voice. Did you recognize the song or did you did, did, did the song hit you at all? Do you? There was a couple songs in this uh, episode that that rang true to me and I, I remember hearing them from somewhere else this one did not i love the song but it didn't necessarily come to mind so this guy you will recognize his voice because he sings another song called sleeping on the blacktop that they play in the movie hell or high water which is a movie mm. that i really love same same <laughs> people that did sicario but like the guy has got such a distinct voice it's a country i mean he's a he's a country artist um, but Coulter Waller, I recommend go listen to that guy. Great stuff. Sleeping on the blacktop when it hits in hell or high water, they're like driving <laughs> through dirt roads, like either having just robbed a bank or on their way to robbing a bank. <laughs> that movie's so good. Um, spoiler alert. They, they rob banks. They do rob banks, but it's for a good cause. <laughs> Much like most bank robbers. <laughs> then we find ourselves riding the ranch fence line. And the Tillersons, the rich family, roll up on some sweet quads. <laughs> and I like Billy, the younger brother, is just like singing. I don't know what he's singing. It's like, I, I, I thought it was like a police song or something. It was like watching you. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, they deliver them some paperwork that says that their property line is a mile over into the Tillerson line. And as someone recently having to deal with plots and properties, I was like, a mile's a really big, like, area to be wrong on. Also, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure these ranches talk in acres, not miles. Um, So, I don't know. I'm nitpicking right now. But, like, to be (laughs) wrong by a mile with a property line, like, that's a lot. Like, I don't know. It does seem rather extensive. Did you recognize any of these brothers? Do any of these guys, like, uh, are they from other stuff? None of these guys jumped out. I didn't do any research on these guys, but um, I'm sure they probably had smaller-ish roles. Nothing I've seen them from. So the Tillersons, since I felt like they were the he- he- uh, the heroes of the show, much like Rhett, um, the one, his name is, what got confusing for me is one of the guy's names is Trevor, and his brother's name is mm-hmm. Luke. Well, in... Friday Night Lights, the actor that plays Trevor, his name is Luke in Friday Night Lights. So the brother that doesn't make it, spoiler alert, or the brother that gets thrown in the hole at the end of the episode, he plays Luke in Friday Night Lights. And so that actor okay. looked familiar to me. Um, plays a very different character in this show. But hmm. what I liked what the show was doing here is the show was like, oh, these are like the rich cats with the quads. And these are like mm-hmm. the the like traditionalist on their horses and like the horse guys are like noble and better and the quad guys are like rich and privileged what i would like to well, point even out had go ahead i was just gonna say that the guy in the quad or one of the guys i think the one that was trying to be more reasonable 
he, he's got like his Under Armour shirt on too. Like just the the outfits and everything they kind of have a bit is a lot more like posh than what you would think a cowboy would be wearing. So like one of them is in like a like form fitting Nike uh, like sweat. <laughs> I don't know. And then later on it's Under Armour. And I was like, oh, okay, who's that, the okay. sponsor of this show? Is it Under Armour or is it Nike? Because we need to establish who's paying the money for this product price placement. But apparently this show went both ways. Um, here's what I like to point out. Horses, I think, are a lot more expensive than quads. You can at me at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. But so a horse is going to, you're going to pay a couple thousand up front to probably buy a horse. And then every like two months... You have to have a farrier come out and like fix the hooves. And I only know this because I was like, maybe I'll get a horse now that I have some property. <laughs> so expensive. A quad, it's like, hey, pay for it and then pay for gas and maybe some maintenance. So I did appreciate like how they were like, oh, these guys are on quads and they're like rich and privileged. But when it comes out, I think dollar signs, I think horses, because horses last for like 25 years. I mean, they don't have to. I feel like it's the it could be the conservative or the conservationist uh, ideology too. Like he's not putting tires and uh, you know gas guzzling quads on his land. He wants it to be living animals and horses. Oh, I'm pretty sure those were hybrid quads. And uh, <laughs> okay, listen, if you burn tires after you're done with them, then they just go into the atmosphere and become clouds that provide rain. I'm assuming. I'm not a scientist. I don't know. I don't know how many times I've said I'm not a scientist on this podcast, but if you're playing bingo, there you go. Um, Royal, oh, this is where the hole is found. Um, Mm -hmm. And this hole is, I'm going to say this hole is about 20 yards wide. Is that 20 yards in, uh, would would that say, would would that be correct? I'd say maybe 20 20 feet. I don't know if it's quite 20 yards, but yeah, we'll say say 20 20 feet by 20 feet. Good symmetrical hole and it's not just a hole there's some stuff going on with it how would you describe this hole tom i don't know how many times in my life i've asked you to describe a hole tom (laughs) but this is one of them it's very dark and mysterious uh it's got like this i don't know like kind of (laughs) on the surface there's this kind of weird like sandy i don't know like kind of cosmic glow that kind of goes across the top and it seemed to be almost organic because it kind of moves with the the wind a little bit and then underneath it just seems to be just darkness um so it's super super weird and, and ominous it felt like what serious black gets uh falls through in the in the harry potter movie oh, that's through what the I would say. something gate that the internet nerds are probably gonna yell at us for I don't, come at us internet i don't nerds. i don't think we're across i don't think we cross with the uh, harry potter people <laughs> um <laughs> Great movies, great books, but, okay, yeah, it does have, like, a weird, it does have a weird surface to it, I guess. It's not just a hole, so clearly something's going on, Um, but I think we solved the missing cow issue, right? It's gotta be, yeah. I don't think there's any logical reason for it, at least that's been defined yet. So, if the cows just were standing right there in that patch, and then went away, or if they were stupid cows and just walked out of the hole. (laughs) Here's here's what I would like to talk about, Tom, is um, the SOP for discovering a mysterious hole. We see what Royal for those that those that don't know what SOP means. Standard operating procedure. So standard operating for other people, not for me. Sure, sure, sure. For other people, I know you know. 
Um, standing operating procedure for discovering a mysterious hole on your property. We see what Royal mm-hmm. does, and we'll we'll dissect what Royal does. <laughs> Royal here's 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 his steps. Throws a rock, one rock, throws one rock through this weird foggy mm-hmm. hole. Next thing he does, sticks his hand in it. He sticks his hand in it, which causes him to like flash forward to his house. Um, we see some flashes of like some kids, and then he pulls out and his hands all black, and he seems to be like going through some sort of like turmoil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tom. You discover a weird, foggy hole on your land. <laughs> Talk me through your, like, what's your plan? Like, wh- where are we? Because, and, and if you need some time, let me know, because I've thought this through. Go ahead. Let's hear it. So I, I feel like the very first thing he did, very first thing I would do. Throw a rock. Take a rock, yep. throw it in. 100%. Sh- see if it comes back, you know? You, well, I don't know about that. I would just <laughs> listen to see if I can figure out how far down this hole goes. Then I would probably, I wouldn't stick my hand in it. I would likely tie, I would fly What like would you chicken. stick in it, Tom? What if appendage a, <laughs> would you stick in it? Well, it depends on what, like, how forward, how far forward in time you want to go. Depending <laughs> upon the appendage you put in, that's how far you go. Or maybe backwards. I don't know. We'll see if we get there. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like I'd go back to my ranch. I'm assuming they've got chickens. I would tie like a string around a chicken's leg and okay. toss a chicken in there. Okay. See what happens and then pull this chicken out. Because when he puts his hand in, like that organic material starts to kind of like sur- like engulf his arm sure. and kind of start to almost go up of it sure. a little bit. And then once he yanks his hand out, he's got like, yeah, it's almost like black or decaying, Residual, but it goes yeah. away almost instantly. Yeah. So it's like, is it like like trying to latch itself onto him or something? And now that we know by the end of this episode that he's entirely engulfed in it, like what that's going to do, it's it's super cool. It is super cool. But I what think, you, what I would think you do with this whole your, your scientific mind uh, is much better than whatever it is that Royal decides to do, which is <laughs> throw a rock, stick his arm, go through some weird like forward back flashback things, and then come to... 100%. I'm going to throw a rock and then I'm probably going to go find a rope because I'm a cattle guy, a ranch guy. I'm going to probably drop that mm-hmm. rope in there, like pull the rope out, see what happens to the rope. Then I'm probably going to tie something to a rope, throw it in there. And then I'm probably going to go back and like, I'm going to be like, hey, Rhett, let's, let's get to drinking, my man. You're my favorite <laughs> son. And then I get dr- I get Rhett a little bit tipsy. And then I'd be like, hey, Rhett, guess what? Found something real cool in the West Pasture. Come on, buddy. Come on. And then we go out there and Rhett would be like, hey, that's a cool. And I'd be like, hey, Rhett, put this rope around your waist. And then I'm going to lower you in. You tell me what you see. And then maybe that's the end of Rhett. Or maybe we pull Rhett out and we discover some things. I don't know. I'm not sticking my hand in there. That's all. I'm just, I'm not sticking my hand after losing a rock. My favorite moment is... When he throws the shovel in later in this in the episode, and it's just like, why'd you get rid of that shovel, man? That shovel, I don't know, it's like fifteen. Perfectly bucks. good shovel. Yeah, perfectly good shovel. Why would you throw that in there? Oh man, I I had so many thoughts about how quickly we proceeded to shove our hand in that hole that I yeah I don't know maybe he was. But noodling. this is our first glimpse. Yeah, this is our first glimpse of the the time stuff. Not. Anything that rhymes with time, but just time stuff. Timey the timey wimey, um, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I it cuts you. to you so seemingly much. the the very near future because it cuts to him walking or, or seeing his wife looking into the kitchen, and yep. then the very next scene we see that. But right after it cuts out and he pulls his hand, he does see like like two kids, right? I, we don't know if it's a younger version of him. One of the kids I think has kind of red hair, so seemingly mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit more easy to spot if mm-hmm. we, as we maybe get introduced to more characters, but. Yeah, super interesting, and again, the next thing we get is them right at the ranch, and then there you see Joy, who is the sheriff, um, kind of talking about the Rebecca case. Right, so he pulls, yeah, he pulls his hand out, he rides back home, he goes into the ranch house, and we see the exact same thing. He walks in, Joy the sheriff's at the table, Cecilia says something like, you know, Joy's here, say hi to Joy, and he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. hi. And then we find out, and I, I like this, like, we've got the supernatural kind of elements of this, the sci-fi elements of this, but we also have, like, the human element of, like, missing wife, like, what's what's happening. I'm assuming she was riding one of the two cows and fell into the hole. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so we find out nine months marks the day since she's been missing, and the FBI, thanks federal government, uh, has stopped searching for Rebecca. Then we cut to a scene of Amy, the daughter, saying her, like, uh, bed night, bedtime prayer, uh, and then mm-hmm. the violin music, the like, kind of like, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it other than to say like stressful violin, not peaceful violin, but stressful violin, and then cut with the campfire of Miss Poots, um, and that'll creep me out every time. Anytime you got a kid, like kid praying, like violin music, <laughs> like you've just got me on edge. Uh, I yeah. really liked how they did that. But so mm-hmm. I guess my question is the hole has got to be some sort of time portal, right? And we won't, I, I mean, this is why I wanted to watch episode two because he gets kicked <laughs> in. And so it's like episode yeah. two may solve this for us. But like the hole, obviously with the Kronos uh, thing with when he sticks mm-hmm. his hand in, it's got to deal with time, right? Yeah, I think a hundred percent. And I, to your point, I do think we're going to find out sooner than later because my assumption is Josh Brolin is heavily involved in this series. If he's just in the first episode and then gets thrown out of a hole and we don't see him anymore, I don't know. Spoiler, Jason Bateman was only in like one or two episodes <laughs> of El Cuco before he got uh, removed. It's possible. Oh, Jason Bateman. I wish he'd do something. I wish he'd do something dark having to do with like a, I don't know, like a wilderness area and like get involved in illegal stuff. But ever since Arrested Development, we haven't seen much of Jason Bateman. We're back at the hole. This is where Royal, once again, uh, ever the scientist, scientist Royal, we call him, throws four shovels of dirt into the hole, uh, is surprised that the hole doesn't disappear, uh, and then and then throws his shovel in the hole. It's like, Royal, what are we doing here, man? I was blown away by his methodology. I'm like, did you, well, you think don't... the hole was going to disappear? This was not like a, this is not a Zelda video game where you like, it's like three <laughs> shovelfuls and like, oh, the, the, you know, the sequence is done. I don't know. So when you throw a rock down in the hole and you don't hear any noises, like to think that four shovelfuls of dirt are going to fill that up, it's a bold play. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but then he like, he keeps struggling. He tries to put the tarp on, the tarp starts blowing in the wind and then that just falls down the hole and he just screams like, what the F? And then just screams at the hole while he's kind of the camera's panning out. I loved it. I want to know what his tarp plan was. Like, it's not like he had big rocks to weigh down the edges of the tarp. 
Like, it's a windy pasture, Royal. Like, the wind is going to whip that tarp away. I don't know. Have you ever tried to put a tarp on, I don't know, a pool or a grill <laughs> or a bed sheet on a bed when it's windy outside? I don't know. <laughs> but when he screamed yeah, the I feel like he was just trying it. to... He's just trying to cover the the mystery. Maybe a helicopter, a plane, something goes by was my thought. I, that's probably what I would do is try to cover the hole. But then a tarp in the middle of a pasture also looks kind of ominous. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to go stand on that tarp. Um, what appears, Tom? Whoa. What appears at this moment? This is, I think, this is technically the second time we see the... Like the Schrodinger's buffalo, apparently. We don't know if it's the same buffalo on the wall. This is the first time we We see it. Right? This is the first time we see it live. The the episode starts, the very first thing we see in this show is the buffalo. With the two uh, things in the side of him. Because he's doing the story. He's saying the Kronos thing. And it's kind of giving us little bits about... his ultimate like running to the hole and throwing the body where he loses his shirt and all that stuff. So we see little bits of it. So that Buffalo is there at the beginning. So it kind of establishes that mystery, but yeah, two arrows on the side, assuming it was hunted. Uh, don't know if it survived those two arrows. I'm assuming a big animal like that could, but my assumption is it later passed and it is the same Buffalo that's in uh, Wayne's house. Yeah. What I thought inter- what was interesting about the arrows is they're not modern arrows. They're like, they're like bird mm-hmm. feather, like historic native people arrows. Um, so I do you that think that? Do you think that like the the buffalo shows up at certain times based on like what's kind of going on? Because he's he's freaking out about the hole. He can't figure out what's going on. I don't know if there's anything like existential that just happened in this moment for the buffalo to appear to him. Because the buffalo later appears. Uh, in front of the two sons right, when they're, when they're like the driving back with uh, the body in the back. So I thought maybe there might be something interesting with the, the timing of when they see this buffalo appear. And the buffalo just kind of walks away at the end too. It doesn't just like, you know, manifest and then go away. Like it seemingly just lets it walk away. Yeah, I, I didn't know that there was a correlation between what was happening with the characters and the buffalo appearing but my assumption is the buffalo has been transferred from a different time to the okay. moment. But I do think it like it shows up at the hole with Royal, and then it just wanders away. And it, you know, coincidentally, it's on the road when the brothers almost hit it. I, I didn't think it mm. like transported to where the brothers were because mm. they were in a moment of stress. Okay. Although I'm assuming they were screaming the f word in that truck, probably too. <laughs> That's what it calls the buffalo. That's actually the buffalo's name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Um, this is then where Royal uh, rides over to Autumn, tells her about the pasture. She's um, she is field dressing a grouse, which good for her. They talk, um, and he's like, "Hey, you know what happens if something? You know what if something bad happens to you?" She's like, "Oh, nothing bad's going to happen to you to me." And he's like, well, that grouse probably did. I wanted to know how she got that grouse. She didn't catch it with her bare hands. Um, but maybe she has a gun. I don't know. Maybe she shot it with a bow and arrow. And then she went and shot a buffalo twice with a bow and arrow. I don't know. A um, lot of theories about the buffalo uh, and arrow in this show. She asked Royal, I thought this was strange. How much would he sell the ranch for? Um mm-hmm. And she names like a couple million and he's like, oh, it sounds like you have it on you. And then she's like, oh, well, a girl's got to keep her secrets. 
And then she's offering to su- to swap secrets. Like I, this felt more like a test. Like, like, hey, Royal, how much do you love this place? Mm-hmm. Or like, what would you give up to leave this place? And then, I don't know. The the secrets thing I thought was an interesting play. God, I hope this show lands it because if all this stuff is just <laughs> like random BS, then I'm gonna be so upset. Well, again, it's fun because it's just laying the groundwork for a lot of things. And I think there's enough time in, in eight episodes, hour long, that you can tug at all these strings. But but we'll see. Um, but it is interesting that this is the second character that seemingly wants Royal's land. Um, Wayne's trying to take it by force, and she's trying to potentially buy it off of him. Um, but she's by still, force, again, you mean by very, using the county assessors, which is all perfectly legal. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know. I mean, he seems kind of, I don't know, manipulative. So maybe sure. he's manipulating sure. the courts to, to get that. I don't know. Because like your point, miles of land seems like a big swath to just rewrite. Right, right. I'm with you. I don't know what the deal with Autumn is. My assumption is Autumn is, I don't know. Autumn is not normal. Like Autumn is either a uh, like a supernatural uh, or is like someone from the past, the future. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something's happening with Autumn that... I can't quite explain. She's, I mean, anyone that draws weird circles and like triangles inside Mm. of in their journal, you know, something's happening with them that's not normal. They were kind of like, they kind of look like peace symbols, man. We have kind of established she's a hippie. So maybe she was just, you know, summer love. Nah, I don't think that's it. I don't (laughs) think that's it at all. All right, let's roll with the honky tonk stuff because this goes by quick. Uh, The two brothers are talking in the honky tonk. Older brother, I feel like, Perry's job at this point is to be like, hey, Rhett, chasing the rodeo for the last 10 years has been a waste of your life. Maybe get a real job and stop getting drunk every night. Like, I do feel like an older brother's job, like, in this day and age, we all don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to, like, but every once in a while, it's okay to be like, hey, dude, actually being responsible and, like, getting a job, helping out the family, that could maybe be good for you as a human. Um, but Perry is not like that. Perry's like, promise me you won't stop chasing this crazy dream of being a rodeo cowboy. <laughs> Tom, name name three famous rodeo cowboys that make a good living and are famous. And uh, I'll give you as much time as you need to name any of them. Uh, well, you've got uh, John McCowboy. Okay. Yep. Uh, John McCowboy. Steve Mc- McQueen. Steve yes. McBoots. Steve McQueen. Nope. Mc, no, Mc Steve McBoots. Sorry, sorry, yeah. his cousin. Sorry. Um, and Theodore. <laughs> I hope it starts. With, I hope it starts with Mick something because all your guys have been Scottish so far. McCowboy, McBoots, and I'll give you a third one, please. Mick. Uh, Theodore. Theodore McSpurs. 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 <laughs> he hates it when you mess up the last letter of his last name. Anyways, that was great. Not a lot of famous um, in this day and age. Maybe, I don't know. Come at us with your famous cowboys um, or famous rodeos. But he does like, he does do a little bit of Big Brother stuff telling her like, hey, we've clearly liked this girl because I think Maria walks in and he kind of gives her the eye and like, hey, you've been, you love this girl since you were 16. Like, why don't you go and finally. There's definitely some brotherly love coming through. Yeah, no, he, I'm not saying he's not a like a good big brother in some of the... And I would say Red is a bad little brother at several points during the show. But there is True. a point where 
the the older brother should be like, hey, yeah, uh, maybe try and go and take some computer classes, like that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, uh, this is when I think Rhett goes over to talk to Maria, right? He he encourages, mm-hmm. or or have we not gotten to that point yet? No, oh, yes. I think so. Like they're yes, just kind of talking because at the table, and he calls him a bull riding son of a bee. He's like. You bull riding son of a bee. And I thought to myself, if I'm ever going to encourage people, how I'm going to encourage you, Tom, for now on is I'm going to call you a bull riding son of a bee in order to get you to Please do, do things. Did you notice the song that was playing in the background in this scene? Unless it was from Coulter Waller, I did not. No, no, sir. No. Uh, it, was, it, it was like very, very familiar, and I couldn't kind of put a, a finger to it. And once I kind of do a little bit more of the lyrics, I realized this is actually a famous song from Pulp Fiction, uh, called uh, You Never Can Tell. Um, I think it was originally sung by Chuck Berry, if I have that right, but this is kind of a, a, a honky-tonk cover, if you will. Uh, but this is the famous scene in Pulp Fiction where Uma Thurman and John Travolta hop up on uh, kind of that uh, stage and start doing that very iconic dance. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that's kind of unique. And there might be some stuff in the lyrics that, that, that might kind of go into the show a little bit, too. I know a lot of these types of shows do a really good job of kind of integrating some of the music into the actual like kind of plot and mystery what's going on so but i just thought that song was kind of cool sure no i uh i like music i like Coulter waller did he do that song he did not do that song he did not this is not a country jam although it's it was a pretty cool country cover Hmm. we're back at the ranch royal i guess he's in the barn and he goes to pull a drawer out and then cecilia like knocks on the door and he's like, oh, I'm, it's Michael, I'm dressing or something like that. Um, what we all do whenever our mothers knock <laughs> yeah. on the door to our bedroom. And I did not understand what I mean, was there, happening here. There was a sock on the barn door. Oh, well, that's Cecilia's <laughs> fault. Then. Cecilia, no, no place to open that barn door. Um, I didn't know what was. My thought I didn't is know this... what he's doing. This might be something maybe from his childhood. Like maybe when he saw the past, the future, one of those kids was him. And this is something that kind of calls back to when he was a kid. I, I don't know because it's a small drawer, so it can't be something too big. Maybe it's a watch. I don't I don't know. I assumed it was whatever he murdered Rebecca with. Um, so <laughs> I didn't know. I'm assuming it's a nightstick, like a old <laughs> Scotland Yard nightstick that he okay. uh, clubbed her with. I didn't know. Um, then this is Cecilia and Royal talking, you know, outside on the porch. Cecilia's feeling is she thinks Rebecca's gone for good. Um, Mm -hmm. and by that, I'm assuming means she's dead. And Royal makes some comment about, you know, do you feel that this is God's plan? Um, and I'll let you make your joke. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I, I think this is establishing, we, we saw in the earlier scenes that Royal would go to church with his family, sure. just like support him, but he's not going to sing. He's just going to sit in the back of the pew or whatever and, and do his thing, read his book. Um, <laughs> but I think here is where we figure out why, uh, and it's because of Rebecca. Like, yeah. I think maybe something happened, like with Rebecca being gone, it's him not being able to justify God's plan to take away Rebecca from the family. Um, so he kind of turns his back. Forgive me, I was looking at the outline where it says, Royal asks if this is God's plan, and you've got Royal, not a God fan. And I thought plan and fan rhymed, so I thought you were trying to do a joke. My bad. Uh, little I outline. I should have. But yeah, Cecilia's like, hey, just because we're hurting doesn't mean God's not there. 
or you can't fight it. Sometimes you just have to accept it. It's okay. And Royal makes some comment or like, or it's not. I always appreciate mm-hmm. any type of like, and this was not a very profound theological deba- debate, um, but I do always think it's interesting when faced with like the real world and bad stuff that happens, like faith mm-hmm. versus, you know, I don't know. I, you and I have Holes gotten in into ground. these discussions um, uh, versus God's plan and being a God fan. Like those uh, always, <laughs> always fun. But yeah, you do see the uh, inner conflict uh, between the two of them, and I mm-hmm. think it's I think it's interesting just from like a perspective. Like some people choose to like accept things, and others like are like, "Hey, bad things." wouldn't happen if there was uh anyways i don't need to get into it mm-hmm. right now but i find that whole <laughs> it's a that, different pod that, different i pod. find that whole discussion fascinating we're back at the mm-hmm. honky tonk where god is always at the honky tonk uh <laughs> Rhett tells perry to move on from rebecca this was when he was not a very good little brother in my mind i was yeah. like yeah uh, read the room, brother. Like, don't tell him, hey, your wife that's been missing for nine months, you should move on from her. Yeah, I feel like he made like a slight comment too when that sheriff was in the house kind of saying there's something oh, the yeah. investigation. He's like, what else did you do? So they already kind of had a little bit of spat and then they've been drinking quite a bit, I think, to this point. So he kind of blurts this out there, which is probably there's a, a semblance of truth in it or else he wouldn't kind of blurted it out. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. It's it's tough if if... Yeah, if somebody's been missing for that long, and I mean, at a certain point, like you always have to hold on to hope. But I mean, come on, let's move on. Three more months, okay? Nine months. Three more months. This is a great top. Let's boil down. Let's boil down. Your spouse is missing. At what point do you? This is like Castaway. Like, at what point does? Is it Meg Ryan? I don't remember. She who's his wife? A year. Who's she gets a calendar year? Who's, and then she's gone. Who's Tom Hanks in Helen, uh, Hunt. Castaway? Helen, Helen Hunt. Hunt? Like Helen Hunt, I think it's three It's three years, isn't it, in Castaway? It's more than a year. Yeah, and she moved on she after moved 12 on. calendar oh, months. This, is so, this reminds me do. of the South Park episode where they're like stowed into the auditorium. And it's like, <laughs> listen, we've been snowed in for like three hours. We need to figure out who we're going to eat. And they start eating the townspeople. <laughs> Like, but they're only in the auditorium for a total of like maybe six hours. Anyways, uh, sometimes sometimes it's a little bit too early to jump the gun. Um, anyways, I uh, I appreciate I appreciate that you are on board with Perry for getting his wife after nine months. Um, Perry then goes outside and he throws up on Trevor. I kept thinking the character's name was Travis. I had to do a find and replace on the outline because I kept writing Travis, but. Uh, Perry throws up on Trevor Tillerson, uh, his boots, while he is trying to, uh, I think, pray with a young woman outside of the honky-tonk. And (laughs) Maria and Rhett are then having a moment inside. So those Mm -hmm. two are getting into it outside. Maria and Rhett are getting into it inside. This is interrupted when Rhett sees Perry through the door. uh, And then he goes and he beats Trevor's face in. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was interesting. As a good brother should. Yeah, because Maria comes out and she watches him like beat Trevor's face in, and then he like he's like, "Listen, I don't want to tell you your business, but that guy's one of the biggest a holes in the world." And it's like 
didn't you just punch that guy in the face like seven times? Like, you seem kind of like an a-hole a little bit. Well, he only punched him like once or twice at that point. I think it's later that Perry goes a little bit uh, crazy on him. Okay. Uh, but I think this is trying to give Rhett that like cool guy line just to say, like, hey, I'm the cool one. He's a jerk kind of a deal. And then just kind of walks past her. Doesn't even give her time to respond. Got it. Got it. I don't know if you caught this, but Rhett's like, oh, I'm going to go get the truck, which after Mm -hmm. several tequila shots, the only thing you should go do (laughs) is go get the truck and then do donuts in, I don't know, in the cold beer sign yard of the honky tonk. (laughs) He walks by the Tillerson brothers table and he knocks on the table like, I don't know, is that like, hey guys, like, what up, neighbors? Yeah. Um, But there is definitely some bloody knuckle prints on that. And I just thought, mm-hmm. evidence, evidence, Tom. Yeah, not very, not evidence. very smart. Evidence. <laughs> Some ASMR for you. Uh, but he also, I think this is the point where they were having this spat and his belt buckle pops off, which I question the integrity of this Cowboys belt buckle. Yeah. The belt buckle should not be falling off. Yeah, if you're, riding, if you're riding um, uh, steers, you know, you're out there riding steers. Like a cowboy should, your belt buckle is going to stay on. You know, if you're getting beat in the face repeatedly, your belt buckle yeah. should stay on. Yeah, this is why later cowboys, like the good Garth Brooks, started wearing fanny packs instead of belt buckles. Oh man, you know, the like cowboy fanny pack. Ever since I moved into this new house, fanny packs for me. I'm wearing three fanny packs, both sides, back. I don't know. Uh, oh, I thought that was a cowboy hat. That's a cowboy fanny pack yeah. hat. Okay, yeah, nice. yeah, exactly. I think we then cut to. So while Rhett's getting the truck, Trevor uh, gets up. He should have just laid in the Mm -hmm. gravel, but instead Trevor, being who he is, gets up, starts talking a load of crap to Perry, um, and mentions, hey, you know, I felt bad for you, but I see why your wife left you, because you're, Mm -hmm. I don't know, terrible. And then Perry accidentally, very accidentally, understandably, (laughs) uh, beats Trevor to death with his fists repeatedly. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, in... Shows do this where you're kind of like, wait, am I supposed to be on Perry's side? Because he like, he really lays into that guy repeatedly. I don't know. Whose side were you on? Were you on the side of the guy that was being beaten to death or Perry who's like sad about his missing wife but can't stop punching that guy in the face who's clearly unconscious on the ground? Every time I see like a bar fight like this, it always just kind of seems so silly to me. Like... I, I just don't understand it. I don't get the need for like violence and then people to just punch each other and be like afterwards, like, oh, all right, we're cool, man. No big deal. We just punched each other in the face a bunch of times. I don't think Trevor but, got up from this and was like, we're cool, man. <laughs> I don't think that happened. But I, what, but I guess my, my thing is like, there's kind of a trope or I don't know, maybe it is in real life where people just get into bar fights and, you know, you punch each other and you have a great time and people move their own directions. Like, I, I just don't get that necessary sure. violence. But I, I thought that it would have been maybe more like an accidental kind of death, but like where he kind of punches him in the throat, I thought that might have like, okay, that's it. Like he, he hit him just in a certain spot where he choked, he died, but he, that was not his intention. But like the way he ultimately kills Trevor is hits him in the throat. Then he still wrestles. And then that's where he does like a couple extra punches and you get kind of that last punch where that, that audio really cuts in and just sounds just like gut wrenching of his face, just getting pummeled. Um, which again, maybe think like 
is it easy to punch a guy to death with a handful of punches? I don't know how punches and, and bar fights work, but it seems like I'm just pretty, a necessary I'm, means to kill a guy. I'm pretty sure Perry's hand would be uh, very broken. Uh, very broken <laughs> yeah. in a lot of places from punching Trevor's face in. Um, but nothing's more broken than, Jerry, uh, than uh, Trevor's face, that's for sure. So Trevor's dead, uh, yep. I believe. And we get some... I think they're cutting in and out here because this is where, like, Rhett pulls up, right? Rhett pulls up in front of it, and it says cold beer, and then we're intercut with mm-hmm. some stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it does a quick cut, I think, to uh, Autumn at the on her fire, and she's kind of doing that crazy poetry, which I didn't pause. I think you could kind of see her little journal or whatever that she's kind of writing some poetry and stuff. It just seemed kind of like whimsical poetry, but she's doing those weird centric circles, kind of like doodling, um, which, again, hippie Casa Kippy stuff, at least it was like peace symbols. But ultimately, I think the sequence kind of ends with the brothers getting in a car. You, They have kind of this weird like back and forth where like Rhett's like, what do you want to do? And uh, Do you want to go to the hospital just two hours no away? Land. Yeah. Yeah. Harry doesn't kind of know what to do. And as they're kind of talking about it, that's where they screeching halt. You see the uh, dead body actually in the back of the trunk. Or, or the bed of the truck, and this is where you see the buffalo again facing these two guys. What do you think the age difference is between Perry and Rhett? Did you get a sense of that? Like, for me, it's like significant. I would imagine they're pretty close. Okay. You think? But like, well, like, in my mind, it seems significant, like, looking at the two of them. But, like, I think from a show perspective, maybe a couple of years. But in my mind, it's, I don't know, because one's married with a kid, and the other one is still riding rodeo. To me, it seemed like it was a much bigger gap than than maybe it is. Yeah, my sense is they'd be relatively close. I feel like my first watch, I wasn't sure what the relationships were. Like I knew they were brothers. I wasn't sure if it was actual like blood brothers. Yeah, or I couldn't tell if Perry was the brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, but we do establish that they are blood brothers, and Rebecca is the one that's the daughter-in-law to Royal. Right. We find ourselves back at the ranch. Royal walks out to the barn. Finds the boys with a body, as any father would. Uh, when you walk out and you find your sons in a barn, they're with a dead body. They have a family meeting. They're like, hey, uh, Abbott family meeting. Let's all meet in the kitchen. In the kitchen, yep. In the kitchen. He's like, listen, Mother's Day's coming up. We need to get your mother a gift. Also, let's talk about the dead body. Um, he's, got the, he's got the phone, which was so great. It's a corded phone. He's holding the... Um, the hang-up button so that the phone isn't, like, ringtoning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tom, I'm going to tell you about an experience I had today. I called someone for work. I got a voicemail. The voicemail started talking. Hey, this is so-and-so. Leave a message, whatever. Started to leave my message. The person picked up the phone and was like, hey, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is a home phone with a voice message where you could hear me leaving a message and you picked it up while I was leaving a message. I was like, no one's done that in like 10 years. I was like, what is going on at this house? This is, and I said, I was like, did I call a home phone number? And the person was like, oh yeah, yeah, the home phone number. I was like, oh goodness. Like, did you just hang up on him immediately? Like, no, okay, you're not the person no, I'm looking for. No, but unsurprisingly, the person's email address is st- still an AOL email address. So, uh, <laughs> it checks out. Anyways, they have a family <laughs> meeting. Royal decides not to call the police. 
he doesn't want Amy. And his justification I thought was, you know, interesting. I don't want Amy mm-hmm. to lose both Perry and Rebecca. I did think mm-hmm. Rhett was interesting where he goes, yeah, what does that mean for me? Like, Dad, I know I'm not <laughs> yeah. the favorite son. Like, are you going to make me take the fall for this? And he's like, no one's mm-hmm. going to jail. We're all going to get <laughs> Kevin Bacon, who's invisible right now. Um, <laughs> they then roll the body up in a burlap sack. My favorite moment of this whole show is in the background. They're like trying to put the body on the horse and the horse moves and the body falls on the ground. I don't think I caught it on the first watch. The second watch, I was like, I don't know if this show is playing to comedy right now because it's kind of stressful, but that's a great moment. Like just the perfect body falling off the horse. Well, even when he's like riding in the fields and trying to take this guy to the hole... That seems like a you got to really tie a body down to keep it on a horse, I would imagine. But I don't know. I'm not <gasps> take, a horse guy. Take a guy to a hole is an incredible phrase. Um, <laughs> it's Luke, not a basketball term. No. <laughs> Luke finds his brother's bloody uh, buckle in the honky tonk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some evidence Which there. Is, mm-hmm. Very very poorly designed buckle. Yeah, very poorly designed buckle. The Tillersons, I did like this. Perry goes to sleep, like he goes to lay down with his daughter. And I'm thinking, if you just murdered someone, sleep would be so difficult. Like, I felt guilt on a much lower level, and I have not been able to sleep. Like, to go, like, lay down and, like, think you're going to sleep after beating someone to death is a very bold move. I'm not putting it past Perry that he hasn't murdered multiple people before. Just, I just want to say <laughs> okay. that. Um, but the Tillerson brothers show up. This is Billy and Luke. Um, and I mm-hmm. thought this, this scene was really well done. They're in the door. There's like a lot of tension. They won't let him shut the door. He won't let him come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid comes down and as kids do in the middle of the night, they need nothing but water. <laughs> I need a glass of water. <laughs> Thanks. I'd be like, Hey, go to bed. Like I'm trying to hide a murder here. Um, but anyways, <laughs> kids are like that. Then the brothers search the barn, and once again, this whole, like, the tension of this whole thing I thought was really well done. Mm -hmm. And the one problem I had with this whole point was when Billy picks up the horse turds. (laughs) I was like, I was like, are those hot coals? They were like, they like went a little bit above and beyond the like steamy CGI, and they were so perfectly formed. I was like, I've seen a horse poop before, and that, like, I was like, is he? Is he picking up charcoal like brick bricks? <laughs> like what what is he holding right now? Anyways. Dude, these are these are good conservationist ranch horses. They have very good <laughs> solid turds. It reminds me in uh Chris Farley's last movie, it's called like uh Almost Heroes. East. Almost Heroes. Oh, like, almost, okay. Almost yeah, you're you're close, but <laughs> Almost uh, Heroes. He picks up like a buffalo patty. And he's like, oh, that, you know, I think the herd's over there. And Matthew Perry's like, oh, you can tell that by, like, sniffing the droppings? He's like, no, I see the herd. They're right over there. And it's just like, why? Can I say this? Go ahead. You can say whatever you want. It's our podcast. We've done this podcast. We've done a couple movies. We've done two shows. Now doing a third. I'm quite certain you've told that exact same story on this podcast. Listen, I will never stop telling that story. I think about that scene all the time. Anytime I see a piece of a poop, I think of that scene. So you're welcome. Oh, that's great. Well, I do you, appreciate the cut, though. Let me ask you this: When I brought it up, did yeah. you also guess guess Wagons East? 
than the other time I brought up that story? <laughs> yes, this is why I know. I'm like, this is ringing a bell. <laughs> because then we discussed that it was John Candy in Waggots East and Chris Farley. Oh, no. In, uh, we've, be- we've become yeah. predictable, Tom. We've, we've told our five um, stories. <laughs> but I do love this cut where it, it shows her picking up the turd and then it cuts to them like taking off on the truck and it like pans on the bottom of the truck and you see the appropriate like dangler right on the bottom <laughs> oh, of the truck. Yeah. Oh, it's just man. so fitting for this character. Yeah, I feel like they're like, hey, we're going to make these guys seem like the worst. So they would definitely <laughs> have these hanging off the back of their truck. <laughs> Royal riding in the storm with the body, like the thunder, so the cool. lightning. Very, mm-hmm. very well shot. Um, leaving the bloody shirt in the fence, not a good, like, murder cover-up method. I just want to mm-hmm. say that, uh, unless you're going to pour it's, bleach it's bold, all again, over yourself. bold play. Bold play. Bold play. But I think this, this did fulfill his contract for a shirtless, uh, Josh Brolin, which I'm all for. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, throws the body in the hole. The first time I watched this, I was like, oh, is he just going to throw the body over the fence line and be like, oh, he's on your property. You guys <laughs> murdered him. Uh, but he just he came home like body this. In the hole. I did find it very surprising that, like, from a show perspective, I thought it was just going to be, like, him alone. But then who shows up to see his dirty deed? Mm, that's who flashes the light right at him, Autumn. Autumn. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about the Greek god Cronus, and she, like you mentioned before, she kind of caps this episode from his speech in the beginning. She brings up all the same mm-hmm. stuff um, about this god Cronus, how he carries a sickle and he used it so, to separate the known from the unknown. She does ask him, "Hey, does anyone else know about the hole?" And he says, "No." And her question, her follow up was interesting. She goes, "Why not? Like, why didn't mm-hmm. you tell anyone?" which I thought was an interesting question. She then says, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone either. And then she Spartan kicks him in the chest into the hole. <laughs> oh, wait, no, she uses her hand. Never mind. She's like, this yeah, she's is Wyoming. And she kicks him in the chest. She's kind of like gently, weirdly caressing or grabbing onto his shoulders and then boom, right into the, the shirtless Josh Brolin, which I, I love the way they kind of shot it because I feel like, to your point, it's very much 300 where like the camera pans over the hole right. and it's just him just disappearing and then boom, cuts to credits. Right. And man, was it hard to hit that button to not watch the next episode. Oh, I had so much trouble. <laughs> so much trouble. I hate a cliffhanger. And my issue right now is um, I watch this with my spouse. She's not around, so... Like, as soon as we're done here, I want to go watch episode two, but I don't think I can because I'm going to get in trouble. Um, But we're potting, man, so you got to probably watch it at least once or twice. So watch it once and then watch it again with her. All right. I'm not going to tell her. I'm going to watch it, but then I'm going (laughs) to act like I watched it for the first time when she shows up. She'll She'll never never know. know. She doesn't listen to this. She doesn't listen to this at all. Um, I'm glad we're doing this show. I find that, I mean, this is a, a step in a different direction for us, but I did find the show fascinating. I just, I mean... If we watch like two and three and they're bad, I'm going to be disappointed, but I'll roll with it. But I don't know that it's such a strong pilot episode that I feel like Mm -hmm. they've got a plan. Like, uh, I mean, a Juilliard playwright's not going to write one episode and then try and figure it out as he goes. Yeah, I think I did. We we were looking for new shows to do, and this is like a drama as opposed to like some of the comedies and things that we've done. So it's a little bit different, and they're hour long, so a little bit more content in each of these episodes. But I think it did get pretty well reviewed. I think some of them were, you know, 
like the mystery, didn't like the mystery, but because there is so much mystery, I try to make it a point not to go too far down any rabbit holes of reviews. Um, like you said, it's dark. Okay, great. Thank you, reviewer. But you might get jerk reviewers on the internet that give away little things or, or little nuggets. Sure. So I'm always cautious to, especially now that we know this show is completely out, uh, you might hear some things about it. But I do appreciate, like, I like doing these kind of shows that aren't just like, we're not doing Stranger Things. We're not doing like the really big, like blockbuster ones, which I don't know, maybe as podcasters, we should because we'll have a bigger audience. But I think this is a very unique show that I think um, for those people that have been listening to us uh, do some of our other shows, we do think this is probably up up the, those folks alley with kind of some of the, the content and drama that's in this show. So we're hoping everybody enjoys it and, and follows along with us. I got fired up because I was watching the NBA playoffs and they did a car- uh, they did a, um, a commercial for this show. And they were like flashing okay. it. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I want to watch episode two. But it took us forever <laughs> to record this pod. So I haven't watched episode two. But no, I'm interested. I guess, do you have any big theories? Do you have any big predictions? Other than, I mean, my prediction is that Perry is a serial killer. And he's slowly going to kill everyone in the show. Um, and throw them in the hole. But any any uh, at this point, do you feel like you have any like strong threads? Other than it's like clearly a... Like a time travel, I mean, from my mind, maybe it's not clearly, there's some time Mm. travel element to this, you get thrown into the hole, or you go through the whole, like, transfer of time sort of thing. Other than that, do you have Mm -hmm. any, any, any big theories? I don't think I do yet. I, I think there's a lot of characters that have the mystery. To your point, I think Autumn is definitely going to be some sort of catalyst, whether she's like a future version of somebody or somebody from the past, because it does seem like it can go both ways. We've only really seen it go forward with him putting his hand in and then seeing the very near future. But my assumption is that it does go go back in time. What it might even do to Trevor, who was seemingly dead and thrown into the hole, does that you know, does that character still around in some form or fashion? Could be kind of interesting. So the next episode, you just see Trevor walking around. Three Could days later. Weird and interesting. Three days later, he <laughs> yeah. comes back. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I've got anything quite yet. I think the show, again, this is why I really enjoyed this pilot, because I think they did a really go, good job of introducing not just like one or two threads to pull on, but I think there's a lot and a lot of interesting characters that you can dive into. So I'm with you. I hope they, I hope, to me, like, Sticking the landing is important. I mean, that's what really makes a good show uh, that you're going to remember and talk about. But I do appreciate a show that has a good ride. Like, even if it doesn't land right. uh, the final episode, if it's still a fun ride and I'm enjoying the the mystery and, and the central stuff of the show, I enjoy it. I'm also kind of a sucker for, like, really good cinematography. And I thought this show had it in spades. Sure. The way it, like mess with like um focus was really cool where he's like on his horse in the foreground and then he they, they stay focused in the foreground while he's just like disappearing in focus or out of focus in the background that was really cool so there's a lot of cool things like that and obviously the the scenery and just the gorgeous beauty of this ranch in wyoming and the mountains and the like hillsides it's just it's such a cool show to watch right no i'm with you i agree um, this is a, a Stephen King version of Yellowstone, uh, which <laughs> I think people watch Yellowstone just for the... That show is bonkers, by the way. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, those of you that have joined us for this. Uh, you can email us your theories, but we only want to hear them if you've only watched episode one. If you've gone beyond this, you're not part of the team right now. Um, <laughs> hold on to those theories. Hold come, on to come those back theories. To uh, you can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Um, Tom runs our Twitter. He does a great job. 
That is at Team Binge. We will be here next week to talk about episode two, which I'm going to watch 30 <laughs> seconds after I hit record or end recording on this. Um, but I have been Julian. And I've been Cowboy Tom. Yeehaw, everybody. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, no, I love you. You're a great friend. And we will see y'all next week. Oh, y'all. I said y'all. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> you said gun. All right. Good night. Yeah. <laughs>